Good morning, Career and Ruins fans. Welcome to this special podcast. Now, for those of you that are looking forward to hearing the dreamy tones of Dr. Derek Pittman, I'm afraid this is a bit of a special today. So I'm actually going to take this opportunity to do a bit of a bit of self-promotion and talk about my career in ruins at my current role at Forestry England. So if it's Derek Pittman you tune in for, I'm afraid um, best log out now. And I'm afraid there's no great um, sort of special guests. But anyway, welcome to this episode of Career in Ruins. Now, I'm putting this together because it's currently the Festival of Archaeology. Um, it's a two-week festival that's being run by the Council for British Archaeology. And over the last two days, I've been attending events that we, as the Forestry England, have been delivering across the country. So yesterday, I was out in um, in, in Marlborough, in Wiltshire, looking at Westwoods, which is this, this fantastic um, beach woodland, which contains a, an array of different histories. But, but one of them is this, this link to Sarsen's quarrying. So Sarsen's stones in, and management and its use all the way from prehistory through to um, Victorian period and an amazing landscape and that was out with a lady, um, lady called Katie Whitaker who's an expert in the area and someone we should definitely get on the podcast but today I've driven up to Sherwood Pines in, in Nottinghamshire to learn a bit more and, and find out a bit more about the First World War history so I'm going to be catching up with some of my colleagues, catching up with um, some of the reenactors um, who are based here, and um, and yeah, learn a bit more about this amazing history that, that can be found here. a bit of background about Forestry England as a whole. We are the largest land manager in England. So we have got over 250,000 hectares that we manage and that includes um, over 1,500 forests across England. And within that, we've got more than 45,000 recorded historic features and sites and monuments across all that area, which pretty much equates to um, I think it's, it's around 30 monuments per per forest, if you were to average it out. But that includes everything from Paleolithic caves, where we've got evidence of cave hyenas and bears, to um, Second World War launching facilities and everything in between. And it's not just sites and monuments, but we've also got designed landscapes, registered parks and gardens, and um, even the Forestry Commission history itself, so the creation of these forests and, and new villages um, associated with the creation of Forestry Commission just over 100 years ago. And our heritage is super rich. We've got over 750 scheduled monuments, around 100 listed buildings, uh, about 30 registered parks and gardens. And all of this builds up to a really, really interesting narrative. And, and forestry itself offers this opportunity to preserve and enhance archaeological records in a, in a way that other landscape covers perhaps don't. So um, when we think about um, things like 
agricultural and intensive agriculture, you might see regular ploughing taking place over archaeological features or in, uh, when you're building new housing developments, for example, you might, uh, obviously you're going to lose, lose a lot of archaeological sites in that way that, where they to be built on. But forestry, these sites sit within the woodland and, uh, and are kind of just, just left, to, left to be. They're, they are managed, they are protected, but they, they offer this fantastic um, level of preservation and insight that other landscape covers don't. And, and as a result, Forest England's got this amazing archaeological record that people can come and explore and, and enjoy. So over the next two weeks, we're providing a number of events where people can go out and learn a bit more about what's hidden in their local forests and their local woodlands. And I'd invite you all to go to the Council for British Archaeology website and just see what, what's going on near you. For the time being, though, I'm going to head in and um, I'm going to go and meet a few colleagues and then learn a bit more about what's going on. Okay, so I've just come out of the car park and come down to this fantastic setup with information boards and a uh, big tent over the top, all branded up, and bumped into a few of my colleagues. So, do you fancy introducing yourself? Hi, my name is Lindsay McCulloch Howe. Um, I'm a learning and recreation ranger here at Sherwood Pines. Um, and today we've had an event on as the World War One trench experience. Um, it's introducing people to the fact that we have trenches here from World War One at this site and uh, back in World War One this was one of four major training grounds here in the country. Amazing, so what, what, what have you got planned today in terms of engaging the public and help, helping them to learn about some of the amazing histories of this site? Well we, we've got a tent up um, to capture people as they come down from the car park where there's some information about, brief information about the camp um, and then also my family history. My own grandfather was demobbed back here on the 1st of February 1919 but I also have four uncles, two on paternal side and two on maternal side who served in local regiments. So the chances are they may have been to this site, I'm not quite sure because um, records from World War One are difficult because a lot of them were damaged during the bombing of World War Two. So it's not easy to find out where they actually started and quite a few of the records for my uncles are incomplete. Um, but I've got those a uh, lot of information about them through the family and some photographs and things and I often share this with school groups because we've got a lot of local interest now in the local uh, history of this area. Fantastic, yeah, just fascinating. So when we talk about a First World War training site, um, well, we took a couple of thousand people based in, in, the, in this area or how, how many people should be, be thinking might have been stationed here in advance of, of going out to, to fight? Well, from it was suddenly realised uh, from the outset that we were going to be short of men. After all, the regular army was limited. So it was going to have to be uh, conscription from the local population or from the population. Um, so from April 1915, we had anything from up to 30,000 young men stationed wow. here at one stage. Um, they were from all walks of life. Some of them had never handled a gun before, Some, most of them probably not. Um, they'd also got to learn how to defend themselves, how to dig trenches and different forms of warfare. So a lot of the trenches were dug um, for training purposes as well, not just for the fact of practicing how to do all this. And they spent a certain amount of time here and then they were shipped out to the front. And you have to remember that a lot of these young men were 18 plus. So very young, 
uh, very inexperienced. Mm. Yeah, it's a very poignant point, actually. And and on that point, then, so anyone that can't necessarily attend today and weren't able to come along and, and le- learn about um, the, the amazing history here and meet some of the reenactors that are here to help bring it to life, what what can they come back and learn about the site again? Is there are there notice boards? Is there information that they they can come and learn about at, at a later date? Yeah, sure. Um, as as you mentioned, um, Lawrence, that we have had a reenactment team from here today. It's the first time we've worked with them, and it's it's absolutely wonderful. Um, they're absolutely very very engaging with the public. So we hope to repeat this uh, next year, at the same time next year. But if you come down in uh, any time, you can go down and have a look at our replica trenches. They've possibly been built where there was an original trench, um, but um, there is information there about them. There's a timeline of a soldier um, day, a soldier's day, and also there are silhouettes of five soldiers down there, all of which are my relatives, and there's information there about their life and their service in the forces and uh, what happened to them as well. They did follow the statistics, so sadly some of my uncles did not come back. My grandfather did, or I wouldn't have been here now. (laughs) Thank you. It is an amazing site and the setup in terms of the interaction, the the information that's available is is brilliant and it's well worth a visit. So pop down to Sherwood Pines when you get a chance and there's a great car park, there's a great cafe, there's loads of other things you can do while you're here. But in terms of learning about living history, it's a great place to come and do it. So we better crack on. We've got a long day ahead of us, but um, thank you very much. No problem. Thank you for coming. I've just bumped into Ellie James, who's one of my colleagues at Forestry England and has been helping to deliver um, the, the the event here in Sherwood Pines. But Ellie, first of all, could you just give us a bit of a background about your role in Forestry England and then how you've been helping deliver this event today? Yeah, um, hi, I'm Ellie. I've been working with Forestry England since June as a intern with Corporate Affairs based in the Bristol National Office. So I've been working in the past weeks to help facilitate our Festival of Archaeology events um, through marketing, um, as well as on-the-day deliveries, such as organising gazebos and pamphlets and working towards the evaluation of the events afterwards by getting surveys ready. Fantastic. And we should say that Ellie's done so much hard work in terms of coordinating all the information to get it online and, and so people can find out what we're up to and just, just helping facilitate all the people that are delivering projects for Forestry England. But, but you've just finished your archaeology degree, haven't you, Ellie? Do you fancy giving us a bit of background about that? Yeah, I've just finished my undergrad in archaeology at Exeter, so it's been perfect for this project. Very much, they're much married together. So you just you just finished degree. Did you do you enjoy it? What what what's next? Now you've got your you've you just had graduation. Yeah, I uh, really enjoyed my degree, so I'll definitely be doing bits of archaeology in the future. But I'm looking to do a master's in environment and sustainable development in September. Amazing, a fantastic crossover as well. Completely transferable in terms of. Um, useful connections and interlinking and and in terms of the event today uh how's it gone what have you been up to and and what's the general vibe been like yeah it's been really good today we've had a a lot of people coming through and everyone's been really enjoying the event and very happy with the reenactors and i've been mainly collecting surveys which has involved talking to lots of people which has been really good fun and also doing some sort of counting of traffic through the trenches to get an idea for how many people came today Fantastic. And have you got an appetite to join a uh, reenactment group now? 
Um, I've, I think I never say never. It's always on the cards if, if the opportunity arises. <laughs> that was a very diplomatic answer. Lee, thank you. I'll let you get on. Thank you. Right, I've just um, come. I've finished doing some laser scanning of the, uh, the trenches. I come down to join some of the reenactors that have been making today a, a bit more of a living history for the, the visitors. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Uh, Captain Dickie Townsley, fantastic. Corporal Don Blythe, Lance Corporal Steve Davis, fantastic. Thank you, chaps. Now, obviously, you guys are part of this this brilliant. Um, I don't want to call you a reenactment group. Is that correct? Or how, how would you describe yourselves? And what, what's the name of your group? So we are, we're here in the guise of frontline living history. So uh, reenactors, if you will, or living historians. I, I think it's fair to say living historians are kind of taking reenactment, bringing history in the past to life to the nth degree. It's probably the easiest way of explaining it. So we're here in an educational remit for the day. Yeah, fantastic. And so in terms of people, because this is an audio sense, we're here at Sherwood Pines as a First World War site. So you guys are here in First World War get up for once a, one of a better description but talk me through what you've been delivering today and, and what you've experienced so we've been with a with the, with the trench here we've been inhabiting it um and taking uh, the public around the trench and showing them all the all the sites of um being in a trench during the great war showing them uh, the equipment and the uniforms and the weapons that they was used and also some of the other bits that they find around the trench such as uh, mills bombs and uh, just other accoutrements that a soldier would have had whilst um, yeah living in a trench such as you have here it is amazing the amount of of um, material you've got in terms just everything from your your sort of uniform to individual rifles. You've got dummy grenades, um, even to a point where I saw a fantastic bit of medical equipment where people were could restore their legs after they they'd broken this. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Absolutely. What you saw there was something called the Thomas Splint, and it's a pre-war design. And what it's used for is a fractured femur. And so if you fracture your femur in 1914, you have an 80% chance of dying from that. It's introduced to all frontline units in 1917, and those statistics reverse. You have an 80% chance of surviving if you use that frame correctly at the right time. Incredible stats, but also the, from what I saw, I imagine it would have been absolute. I mean, I appreciate getting shot is going to hurt a lot, but having your leg pulled back into position once you'd broken it must have been agonizing so I, I, yeah i guess morphine might have played a part uh, morphine would definitely play, play a part in that one so yeah oh, fantastic so in terms of what what you've encountered today it's it's not been too hot i don't think you guys i mean you've got pretty <laughs> thick uniforms on but uh, the general public's take on it all has it been a successful day do you think absolutely uh, by my crude estimates and uh, gcse and maths which are barely scraped uh, we've had in excess of 300 people here for definite and the feedback has been exemplary. The people who are coming through have really enjoyed it. They've asked the right questions, been really interactive and hands-on. People have come through, they've been picking up things like dummy grenades, picking up tins of food, um, picking up uh, you know rifles and so forth, feeling the weight of them. It's, it's all about bringing history to life. It's not going into one of these museums where you just look at a screen and watch a film or you see something in a cabinet. You're actually immersing yourself in history. You're wrapping yourself in it. You're saying, well, what did these guys eat? What didn't they eat? What did they fire? What did they carry? Uh, how did they go about a typical day? And the people who've been lucky enough to come along today have learned all about that. I have to say it's been an absolute pleasure seeing the public interact with you guys from all age groups and all, all demographics. Just And the children in particular just thoroughly immersing themselves and asking some 
amazing questions as well. Um, in terms of anyone that's listening that want to f- wants to find out a bit more about what you guys are about or learn a bit more about your interests and, and things like that, where, where, where can they go? So myself and Stephen are, um, and our colleague Peter, who can't be with us today, and um, we are hosts of the Living History UK podcast, where we discuss all things um, in terms of not only just military history, but also social history as well. So um, yes, uh, we're on Spotify and all other good podcast platforms as well. So it would be great to... Um, fact to have you come along and give us a listen and finally in terms of um take if people have got an interest of taking part or, or joining a group such as this any, any advice on that um go out find go to a, a, a history festival go to somewhere like chalk valley history festival go and and talk to people and find out and there's plenty of opportunities to learn about history out there fantastic chaps thanks so much i, I better let you crack on thank you right, thank you well, that marks the end of what was an absolutely fantastic day. I'm, I, whilst everything's been going on, I've had laser scanners, so I've been doing some 3D recording of the, um, the reconstructed First World War trenches with the hope that we can make these available online so people who perhaps can't access them or come to the site um, have an opportunity to see see what other people can see. So that's been great, and we've got some good results there. But the the energy the excitement the learning the enthusiasm from from all people that came down has been absolutely brilliant today made entirely possible through the um the passion and enthusiasm of my colleagues and also the uh, reenactors which have been absolutely brilliant um i hope it's been a nice little insight into um what we do at forestry england in terms of outreach and, and engagement and sharing our histories but also gives you an idea of what you could be doing and finding out and learning about all the amazing Festival of Archaeology events going on across the country. So do check it out this year. And if you missed it, check it out next year. It happens every year and um, there's loads more going on. Hey, final plug this Sunday. So a week's time, the 30th, 31st of the month, Derek and I are going to be at Corfe Castle for a free event with the National Trust, another CBA event. But we're going to be doing a live podcast. So people are going to come along and listen to us interviewing people in person. So if you want to come meet us, come meet some amazing archaeologists and have a great day free in Corfe Castle, then come on down. We can't wait to see you.